Merry Christmas, Sopranos fans. This is the closest you're going to get to a Sopranos podcast or Sopranos Christmas special in general. To save us all from Satan's power is the name of the episode. It's season three, episode 10. But our episode is entitled The Ghosts of Christmas Past. I always wanted a house by the ocean, maybe in another life. That quote was spoken by Big Pussy Bompensero in a flashback to the mid-90s in this episode. To Save Us All From Satan's Power was written by Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess and directed by Jack Bender. Welcome, everybody. This is a fun one. <laughs> Certainly a, a lot of cool things going on here. Very different episode than our last episode, but I, I'm here for it. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And... Yeah, this is, uh, every show back in the day had a Christmas special, or, you know, the Christmas episode. I don't know that this is quite that, but when I think of The Sopranos and Christmas, I come back to this episode to save us all from Satan's power. It's centered around Christmas, there's Christmas all over the place, it ends on Christmas morning, builds up to it, so as far as I'm concerned, this is The Sopranos Christmas special. And what a special it is. I love how we start off here, the Asbury Park thing. We're back to Funhouse. But let's do what we do, go around, give our initial thoughts. One of my favorite episodes of The Sopranos. I think this is terrific. This mm. is top tier for me. I'm not sure where it relates in terms of the whole series, but I thought this was terrific. Um, the real uh, meat of this episode is in flashbacks and and talking about those flashbacks, how we relate to them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's, it's another one of our really heady episodes in terms of flashbacks and dreams and what they portend for the future, what they mean in the present. Uh, I loved, loved, loved seeing Pussy back on the show. Yeah. Uh, loved seeing Jackie on the show, who we barely got anything from. Yeah. Uh, and how their presence kind of recontextualizes what's going on in the present of the show. I love that The Sopranos has a Christmas episode, which is something... It's usually native to, like, um, British British television, too. It always has, like, the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. This felt more like a British television show Christmas special, where it's just like, hey, we're going to get a big episode. We're going to get a lot of people in it. Uh, we're going to do some stuff we don't normally do. It's going to feel really special. This episode feels so special. Yeah. And um, it has this, yeah, it, it's almost like it's sort of the epilogue to Funhouse, in a way. It really mm-hmm. is. You said yes. that well. We're returned to Asbury Park. We're ruminating on some things that are left... Uh, emotionally unresolved from the last season. And you think in a show that should be turning up the heat, maybe on the Ralphie Cifaretto situation or the unrest in the family, it is kind of letting you linger and think about things that we thought were buried. But that's the thing in The Sopranos. Nothing really stays buried. Mm, That's really well said. For me, it's similarly a super fun episode. It's interesting that it's set around Christmas so much of it, as is referenced in our title, Ghosts of Christmas Past, references A Christmas Carol, but what comes up in all those, the visitations, as as it were, of the ghosts in that story seem to illuminate for Scrooge in the story the humanity and often the fundamental decency of other people. Here, these specters, these ghosts, they haunt us, and they often reveal past and present betrayals that sadly make the world of trust narrower Mm. um, and more lonely. And at the end of the episode, I was like, well, yeah, fuck Santa Claus. Because (laughs) it's fake. It's a lie. 
it's a lie that we that the characters maintain. But so yeah, there's a bleak sensibility. But nonetheless, this is the Sopranos Christmas special. So yeah, we get to see Tony with some more hair. We get to see Polly <laughs> with less gray hair, and definitely characters coming back who are dead now, including Gigi. Hmm. Before we get to see when Gigi was alive and part of Junior's crew before he died in humiliating fashion. So yeah, it's a fun episode. It's a bit shorter, I think we mentioned. Yeah, it's but like it, forty-five minutes. It's one of the shortest Sopranos. Episodes. Right, but again, no sense of being short-ended. Right, it's a full great story. Yeah, you don't leave this one thinking, oh, that wasn't a full fulfilling episode. <laughs> you know, that's not the experience at all. And you know, as far as my reaction goes, I I very much agree with both of what you guys said. I agree that the heart of the episode really is in the flashbacks, and which adds a nice context to what's going on in the present. And I found this thinking, like, you know, while the, the down neck era flashbacks are always appealing and you want to know more about Johnny and Junior and, you know, the, the, that era, I found this era intriguing, too. And what it also does is it adds to the sense of Sopranos. So the series starts... With Tony telling Melfi, I feel like the best is over. I came in at the end. And even though we're sad about Pussy, and there's a context over these flashbacks that might not have been there had we seen them in sequential order rather than cut back to them when we cut back to them here as memories. But they feel fuller, like Tony's head of hair. They feel like there's more kind of life. Everybody's a little bit younger, a little bit more robust. Jackie, when we saw him, was dying of cancer. Pussy's alive and he's a welcome presence on the show. Tony's got a thicker head of hair. It's a simpler time. They're all, they're sad. Do you think you're saturated with the OJ trial? Wait till every trial on earth after social media, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, even Junior showing up in the, you know, in his, in full power, yep. right? Showing up when, when a sit down with Junior really meant something. Yes. Like, oh shit, Junior's here. Fuck. Yep. And much like the quality of Santa at the Satrial's neighborhood Christmas party. There's this feeling of decline. Yes. <laughs> From past to present. And that's a feeling that drives Tony and the show in perpetuity. This feeling that the best is over and it's all downhill from here. So I'm excited to talk about this one. Let's start from the top. Asbury Park, very well said that this is kind of an epilogue to Funhouse. Because yeah. So he had the dream in June because it was around Meadows' graduation and that's the day that he killed, you know, the night before that is when he killed Bussy. Right. But in the dream it was snowing in Asbury Park. So very fitting that we're here in winter. Evoc- evokes that right away. It's not even... Like, you have to think about it. You see it, and you're like, you might even think when you see that first shot, oh, are we back in dreamland? But no, Tony's actually here this time. It's perfect, uh, not only in that way that you guys mentioned Funhouse, but having now been to Asbury Park a couple times, I I really enjoy walking around there. Mm. And I think even more so around this time frame of 2001, what one would get from Asbury Park is a sense of both its beauty and nostalgia but also something being lost. Yeah. That there was a more classic Asbury Park that had declined, Yeah. to use your term. And I think that's deliberate, and it's it's right there in front of you in this scene. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's also this feeling of, like, you know, it's, this is a classic aesthetic that's used, but just, like, another winter in a summer town, right? Just the idea that um, we're mm. here at the wrong time. Mm. The best is behind us. It's not summer on Asbury Park in the boardwalk. It's winter. I shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. Yep. So Tony looks out at the ocean and we get our first flashback right away and 
what a great way to tell us when we are. We're seeing the OJ trial on a big box TV at a diner. Yes. Okay, we're in 95, 96, somewhere yeah, around there. Yeah, sort of has unmistakable mid-90s flavor, yeah. Yeah, right away they're watching it, uh, Jackie and Tony. Tony's got a beautiful, you know, not a beautiful, but at least a thicker head of hair. His bald top is covered. It's thinning. He's, he's going to lose it within the next few years. And the puss comes in. He was in Boca with Junior. Junior wants a sit-down. They're setting up a sit-down here. Jackie Jr. is studying for his SATs, something relevant to what's going on here. Perhaps he should be looking into trade schools. I don't know. but <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they take the conversation outside to the boardwalk. This is why Tony is thinking of it now, not only looking at the water where they dumped pussy, having somewhere in his subconscious the association with his dreams, but also, they had this meeting here at this spot, so now we see that this spot actually has some significance with Tony and Pussy. So you know, don't go moving that H, Puss. It's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then Pussy drops our pull quote. I always want a house by the ocean, maybe in another life. To the gut punch of a line. Gut punch. It's already too late. Mm. Right? Don't move that H, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, big Christmas Carol vibes here, right? This kind of reminded me of like um, when, we're, when we're with Scrooge in the past. And he's observing himself, his younger self, when he is with Marley, the man that will be his partner. Uh, and that's like kind of the pussy in this scene, right? And uh, and Fezziwig, the boss that he loved that was uh, fair to him. But if we want to, you know, kind of pull back from that a bit, it's just, these are Tony's two best friends, mm. Jackie and Pussy, neither of whom he has anymore in the present. Yeah. We love Silvio, we love Polly, we love these guys. They're, they're great. But they're not... Jackie and Pussy. These were yeah. really Tony's brothers, really. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be contrasted in a moment when present-day Paulie shows up, but we'll get there in a second. <laughs> Something interesting here, another little bit of Sopranos playing with us and, and having fun. The sit-down is over. I guess uh, Junior was hijacking Jackie's trucks, which Junior holds a sit-down about in season one when one of Tony's guys is hijacking Junior's trucks. I just thought that's a great... Uh, the, the cycle of hypocrisy in this show never ceases to amaze me. It's just so funny that something he himself had done was something he was so up in arms about in season one because it was a disrespect to him. Jackie's of the younger generation. Junior, we know who Junior is. <laughs> now perhaps his resentment is fueled by, I guess, feeling disrespected. Pussy, I think, says... Your uncle wants to sit down, but he's got that iron rod up his ass. Mm. He was in line to be boss. Now he's got to take orders from somebody who used to fetch him as Sambuca. Right. Jackie was a good boss, I think. Cut, cut that shit right off. Hey, fuck him. Yeah. Is he going to sit down or not? Yeah. I, Jordan's right. It's a great scene with these two guys who were really his brothers. Very deliberate, it seems, that a few times in this sequence, Pussy is essentially talking about money problems. Right? Value jet. My back is killing me. My wife booked this cruise, 5000 Pray your son goes to a state school because of the son's bills from Villanova and pushing the H is too risky, which I think when Pussy got caught doing, that was essentially what set up his working for the FBI. Correct. Right? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. So, very fun. Then uh, Paulie shows up. We're back in present day. Tony's bald again. <laughs> uh, Paulie uh, walks up. They have a little interesting... Discussion here. I was thinking about our friend Paulie immediately. What? Never. Which, to me, in, in a way, it just it reminded me of like two very macho guys being like, "You ever thought about kissing another guy, man?" <laughs> <laughs> never. I never think about that. It's like, yeah, you, you do though. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Paulie was so adamant. Not me. Never. 
Of he course. Growl uh, at him. And the more yeah. he denies it, the more that we know he thinks about him all the time. Yeah. So, Paulie uh, has some kind of beef going on with Ralphie regarding the Esplanade. He wants some no-show jobs from it. I shouldn't get something out of his fucking Esplanade. You know, he's appealing to Tony. We'll see where all this goes, but... It's, uh, we get a sense of time. It's nearing Christmas. We had our Thanksgiving episode a few weeks back. We're in Christmas mode now. Tony's got a little list going. We get this fun scene in the Soprano bedroom where Carmela's already up and around, stressed out. Janice insists on cooking goose on Christmas, which annoys Tony, as it would, it would annoy me too. Dear Lord. I love the line, I'm doing Christmas Eve. You want to turn her loose on shellfish? <laughs> <laughs> Just very good, but these are the uh, these are the kind of fun conversations you have in big big Italian families around the holidays. It's like who's cooking what, who's hosting what, who wants to do this. You want her doing this? Oh, I got to bring my whole kitchen over there. You know, very realistic dialogue here. They're getting AJ a scooter. Tony's looking at his list as transferring cannolis. We're going to find out what that's all about. Yeah, but I, lo- a- I love the convention of Tony's list in this episode. Almost yeah. like it's he's Santa and that's his list and what's next on his to-do list and who's yes. naughty and who's nice and what does it mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, really neat. Yeah, it is fun. It is a fun little uh, plot device to get us through here. And uh, we keep coming back to it. I like that he's crossing things off as he's doing them. That's a fun little like, okay, now we can end the episode. Tony's done with his Christmas list. Yep. <laughs> but bottom line is he has a panic attack in bed. He sits up, he has a gets. Is this just normal holiday stress or is something else going on? Next scene in Melfi's office. They joke about stress miss. Tony's not taking his medication consistently. Melfi calls him out. Is that uh, what the prescription says? And he's kind of yeah, one of his old yeah, yeah things. And uh, he opens up a little bit here. Shows the slightest crack in the arm. I couldn't believe it, actually. Yeah, isn't it amazing? I, he, couldn't, he, I couldn't believe he was doing it. I was very excited. And then, of course, it's very short. So. It's, it's weighing on him big time. If it has to be for him to have come out and even said what he did. Because the way he phrased it keeps him in the clear legally and keeps her in the clear legally. But also makes it very obvious what, what he's talking about here. What happened. I had a friend who I found out was working for the federal government. Enough said. M- Melfi sits back, I see. Yeah, he seems to know the weight of it. Because I think then he asks her, am I ruining your Christmas? Yeah. And that's the end of the scene. Yeah. And actually, from, I do think this is funny and probably deliberate. He says, am I ruining your Christmas? And she, I think, smiles politely. And the scene cuts and the next scene is Janice and her boyfriend working on the new song. I was like, well, no, this can ruin Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> they will ruin Christmas with their blood-cleaning stains lyrics. <laughs> right? Yep. Oh, man, so funny. I, I do love Melfi's line when uh, there's an initial moment of frustration when Tony can't fully open up. She says uh, there's there's a sense of growing frustration on her part. We're at one of our favorite junctures again. Yeah. So I, li- I like that line. I like that uh, this is becoming a pattern for them where they're touching on something and he can't go there either for Omerta or whatever. Omerta, of course, being the mafia code of silence. And uh, so, yeah, so this is a frustrating scene for Melfi, but Tony's more frank than normal with the situation. Yeah, I had Adam where I was actually proud of him. I was yeah. like, oh, wow, you're, you're trying to approach the thing that's actually bothering you for once, right? Yeah. It's really amazing, but it, we don't mm-hmm. get there. Janice and Aaron, that's a great mother jumping lyric, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> what a and then he passes out, uh, you know. <laughs> so funny when he passes yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny. I mean, 
I'm able to laugh at it as a viewer and, and, and just it's presented in the show in a way that is meant to be funny because this character is buffoonish and goofy and not someone that we associate in the world of The Sopranos, really, but truthfully, what a terrible fucking thing to have. Oh, narcolepsy? Narcolepsy is oh, horrible. Yeah. Awful. That, that's and embarrassing. Really awful. Yeah. But Janice's wrist is still fucked up from when she was attacked by the Russians for the whole uh, Svetlana leg drama. Place is a mess. She can't clean because of the wrist. She may have to get surgery. There's nerve involvement. Christian Contemporary, she tells Tony a little bit about that. It was a big market in the early 2000s. I do remember that there was even a South Park episode about it, and South Park is kind of a great, always a great time capsule for what was sure. going on. Listen, we had Creed foisted on us. How much? I mean, on the radio in those days. And they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were legit on the main radio. Yeah, yeah, they were huge. So, you know, Christian Contemporary was big in this time, so Janice is not entirely off here, but it, it, it does reveal what we've known and what Tony knew the minute she brought it up is this would, this interest in christianity would be twisted into another scheme another scam another business junction whatever yeah though funny for once her wrist is not a scheme yes her service is actually hurt and when tony pieces that together he tosses the billboard magazine or whatever the hell she handed him and adds janice's russian to the list tony mm-hmm. has to take care of this it's like okay this wasn't this isn't you know i can't let he he decides he can't let it go any longer yeah and well done on the show and the writers for circling back to this because this was a, a dangling thread mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah janice's use of the what as you said chris what's become of her newfound faith her born again life is it seems like the christmas carol realization in reverse yeah instead of realizing that you've just been making money and looking to yourself and finding this kind of grace in loving others, Janice has found this grace and has found a new money-making scheme in Christian contemporary music. How perfect is that for her? That's what she does. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well said, Paul. We get the scene in the back of Satriales. They're going through the box of Christmas stuff. It's time to set up the decorations. They have a annual neighborhood party that Satriales put out. Uh, Ray Curdo, who, let's not forget, we found out in the episode... Um, Proshai Lavushka. We found out in Proshai Lavushka that Ray is a federal cooperator and an eager one at that. So there's a very fun bit of irony when he talks a bunch of shit uh, about ratting on your friends. Despicable, he says something like that. <laughs> to save your own ass. To save your own ass? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's like the most eager rat we've seen on the show easily. Right. Um, there's a fat on the other end of that laughing at that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fat fuck, he said. He calls him. He's like totally disparaging pussy. He does a great job of... And to, to his credit, he does a great job of blending in because that's, you know, he's just hanging out in the room. None of them suspect the fucking thing. Ray's not really around all that often. So he's doing a good job of masking himself. Right. They find this Santa suit. It depresses them all. It reminds them of Pussy. That's what brought all this up in the first place. Pussy was the neighborhood Santa. There's also little lines slipped in here. We saw what happened with the flashback to when they cut off Old Man Satrial's pinky and took over the business. Turns out Old Man Satrial killed himself. This is uh, another episode where we're dealing with tragedy, suicide, gambling, fallout. That's a pretty big reveal. Yeah. It seems like it. Uh, I think, you know, these guys have always dealt in extortion. They've always profited from misery. I think they're reflecting on this because of the depth of betrayal and what Pussy meant to them, as Tony points out to Polly, the difference between Puss and the others was the him you loved. Yeah. Yes. And again, so the guy whose name is on the building is uh, long dead from tragic suicide. Terrible. 
And uh, Tony won't be Santa. He refuses. He's like, no. Doesn't refuses twice. <laughs> just won't even entertain it. Even though I love the look back to him because yeah. it happens as a ripple. Like there's a cascade yeah, yeah. effect. They're all like <laughs> looking back towards Tony. Yeah, yeah. Come on, T. And uh, Tony just dismisses it one more time in a way that is just like, nope, absolutely not. Fuck off. Gets up and leaves. And uh, yeah, so then we meet this character Slava. As Tony's going into Slava to get his money laundered by this Russian fella, there's a guy out in the front. He's maybe a little drunk. He's about to go in. He has this kind of line, high level, shh, and wanders off. His name is Valerie. I want to put a little ping on this character, Valerie. We're not going to, this is, we're going to see more of him shortly. So just remember this drunk, fun guy out in front of Slava's bar. And Tony goes back, gives him a bunch of cash, going to get it cycled and cleaned, and asks about the Russian who hurt Janice. So Tony's on top of it. He's getting knocking things off his list. And this is the transfer cannoli on the list. He's getting money elsewhere. So This is a business meeting. Yeah. It's like it seems like all business. It's it's money and doing favors for one another, perhaps some gifts. It's one of the warmer scenes in the episode. Yeah. It's it's like yeah. this is a character we don't know, but Tony's moving money through him. It works and they have a professional respect. They yeah. bond over wanting to beat the bag out of the same guy. Or, right. Or the guy's, like, willing to. I was like, this is about as warm as it's going to get. And maybe it's the actor, but I, I like Slava. I was like, oh, this yeah. is a character I, I don't I, I don't mind seeing more of, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It seems like they naturally like each other. Yeah, they have there's, a respect. there's a simpatico there. Yeah. They kind of seem like they're in similar positions in their respective tribes. This is like two <laughs> tribal leaders who respect each other, aren't at war, kind of coming together, doing a little crossover business. But Yeah. So it had that vibe. The guy says, oh, I'll take care of it. And Tony says, no, 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 this motherfucker's mine. So Tony's on it. And uh, Slava's going to get back to him. I love this shot we get at the beginning of the Silvio dream of the, the, the pole. And then from out of frame, this fucking stripper just slides all the way down the pole. I thought that was very cool. Uh, so good on her. She made a cool moment for herself uh, in, the, in the show. Yes. Sill is angry. He left a, 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 a wheel of Jarlsberg cheese there this morning and can't find it. <laughs> Uh, heads into the uh, back and sees so, pussy. Uh, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> can, can I just mention so, I love this dream so much. It does not seem like a dream at first. It's all very realistic. It's like, there's what's happening. And the, Silvio's like mad about something. Uh, cut, stop the music. Stop the music. Yeah, That's yeah. where it gets weird. It's like, I'm not sure this merits like shutting down the club. The, you know, I know Silvio loves cheese at his feet. <laughs> he says there was an entire wedge of Jalsberg, and again, the it's not like weird. All the delivery of these lines is very even. One of the dancers says, "Like Deborah had a had a round delay of French brie missing from her purse yesterday." It's like what? Like, all this stuff is just like completely deadpan. The delivery it's such a great setup, um, and that of course makes it a, that much better a setup for. The image when he pulls apart the sequin dresses, that image of Big Pussy in the trap is pretty disturbing. Yeah. I think then you, and as if it wasn't clear enough in that brief you moment, you get Silvio waking up in his nice silk pajamas in a cold sweat. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Who's been stealing all the cheese? Oh, this giant rat. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> very funny. Cute. Yeah. Uh, cute for such a grisly... <laughs> reveal of pussy in the trap. Yeah, again, and, and and it's also, look, it's because of who we're dealing with here. If this were a Tony dream, I'd say it was right. a too cute by half. Right, this is very but simplistic. This is a Silvio right? dream, yeah. so it's like, I, okay, I'm down with this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we find out that Silvio is also being haunted by 
the kill of Pussy Bob and Sarah. Yes. This is something that hangs over these guys, and this is now at least six months later, right? June, July, oh yeah, six. I mean, this is half a year later, and it's still weighing heavily on all of them to the point that Silvio is still woken from sleep over it. Yeah, and we all know Polly's full of shit. So these guys are guys who are on that boat are not having a good time with this with with, with Pussy being gone. Sil goes over to Tony's. I love this. They're having a conversation about killing Pussy, and and. This would have been a wonderful conversation. Of course, Tony mentions that there was a lamp down here. Metal took it to school. Just great <laughs> irony there. Yep. You know, he has no clue how close he was to saying this on a on a wire. Meadow took the you know just so funny that they the time that this lamp was in the house they did not get anything of significance at all and they just missed it. I listened to our uh, second episode of season three the other day, guys, and. I was reminded that they had <laughs> a very important business conversation about truck bombings and beating up EPA employees out in the yard in the first episode after they planted the wire in the basement. And now that the wire is gone, Tony and Syl have this very critical conversation in the basement. Very funny. I love it. I love that this wire completely blew up in their ass. <laughs> so funny. It's a gift to Tony that he's not even aware of. They're trying to work out when Puss started snitching. When was it? Was it the sit-down? Because Puss no-showed the sit-down. Junior shows up. We get back. We get another flashback now. The OJ trial, such a smart device. I love, uh, I think this is when Jackie says the line, I'm saturated with it, which I think a lot of people felt at the time. I, I know my parents, like, watched it regularly and then hit a point where it was like, all right, this is enough of this. It was all that was on TV. Was, I mean, yeah. I don't know how old I was. I guess I was like, I don't know, nine. So what was I in, I don't know, third grade or something like that, fourth grade. Uh, it was all that was any adult was talking about. Yeah. yeah. In our lifetimes, I think it was one of those, the first stories that like didn't end. It always had another chapter. If ninety five late 95, I guess they wouldn't have been talking about the criminal trial, but the civil Some suit trial. and yeah, what sure. followed and all that. Yeah, and I think that was like those years were kind of the dawn of the twenty four hour news cycle as well. So it's just like yes. yeah, it was just all OJ all the time. Yeah, court TV was a thing, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, anyway, uh, Junior shows up. He's supposed to be here. He brokered the fucking thing, but Tony smooths it over, and they all end up having the sit down. And then we cut a little bit after that when Pussy shows up. I wrote here they love Puss, so they buy his story. You know, Tony says later the difference Puss him you loved. They believe this story, and it's the same reason why Tony, at least somewhat on the surface, swallowed Pussy's story when he came back at the beginning of season two. Because he wants to believe him. You want to believe Pussy would never do this. Would you know? So is Pussy wired up? We don't know for sure, but he gives this story about this medical emergency he had to attend to and all the things he had to do, and Jackie cuts the tension. Did you get laid? Yeah. <laughs> and they, <laughs> laugh, they share a laugh over that. It's a funny moment. Then we get this scene in uh, Vesuvio with Paulie, Sill, and Tony. A lot of time spent with Paulie, Sill, and Tony in this episode, and because they're they were the ones who killed Pussy, so we're, we're and at the, yeah. At this point, when they've paired off, and Silvio is say talking to Tony alone, or Paulie is, they'll br- sensitively bring up Big Pussy and talk about it. When they're with the crowd, or the three of them are together, like in this scene, Pussy doesn't even get mentioned. Yep. It's not until they sit down at the end. Yeah. And they're talking about Kumar's. Uh, Polly has this line, oh, she bought a Bing Crosby. Yeah, uh, great. <laughs> very funny. She's not one of those girls. They're ogling Charmaine, who, you know, admittedly does look very good here. Very 
provocative dress and she's, you know, out on the floor there and they're checking her out. And uh, she comes by the table and there's a little playful dialogue there. But then she does this joke that they just do not find funny at all. (laughs) These two guys might be FBI. And then she laughs. They're not laughing. She wanders off into the kitchen. Artie calls her out for being a uh, hypocrite. (laughs) I like this little fight they have. She criticizes his raviolis and kicks, and then he kicks the door and goes out. Is that the real cheap shot that she said his raviolis? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God, that's the worst thing to say. That means they're too mushy on the outside. Yeah. 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 That was the hurtful thing. She could have told him he had a small dick. Right. I was gonna say it wouldn't have hurt as bad. Yeah, my dick is small. (laughs) Raviolis. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Be careful with those raviolis. (laughs) So funny. Uh, and then Artie brings their food out. I love I fucking die Silvio's line. Her ass may be improved, Artie, but uh... oh <laughs> his wife ears. Her ass maybe. Oh god. Woo. And then since when is the FBI funny? Silvio is so offended. <laughs> and again, this next part we talked about this a little bit in our last episode. Tony. Goes into the back of a cab. He gets this Russian. He gets this call while he's at dinner with Paulie and Sill about a Russian livery. He gets in. Who's he with? Furio. We know how this is gonna go. We don't need to see the attack. Yeah. Tony gets in the car with Furio. There's some funny play drunk acting. They just kind of drive off, and we hear the jingle bells, and we're cutting to the next scene. We'll find out how this went in a moment. But yes, the mere appearance of Furio is always the telegraph for extraordinary violence. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you do not need to see it. Yep. Exactly, exactly. You the designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> we got some bedroom talk. Tony got the scooter. I love all this build-up about the scooter. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned it like ten times. It's on the list, and then you just get one shot, annoying shot of AJ... Zipping by out. Cluttering up the hallways with his bullshit. He's going to forget about it by the end of the day. Yep. Uh, Tony puts on It's a Wonderful Life, and it's just not in the mood <laughs> enough already. <laughs> what a funny reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think uh, everybody... Listen, I don't know how other people are. I have some years I'm really into Christmas, and other years I'm I'm checked out, and I want nothing to do with it. All I depends agree. on my mood and what's going on around me. And, Absolutely. Uh, and so I've had these moments where huh. you put on like something that's like, uh, you know, you're just, you're done. You're done with the music. You're done with the traffic. You're done with the shopping malls. You're, you, you just, you've had it. Well, I think to- right. Tony even <laughs> says in this episode, it seems like maybe he was going to have that first reaction. Yeah, I was looking forward to Christmas this year. Yeah, and then, he, got, he got kind of depressed, or whatever happens happens. But as Carmela said, my head's clanging like a bell. The stress is too much. Yep. Back at Satrials, they're having a hilarious conversation. A lot of fun, short, hilarious chats here. They're talking about Santa's kids. Who who is it that says they're running a sweatshop over there? Is that Paulie? Silvio. Silvio. And Silvio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw this thing on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I used to think the elves were their kids. And uh, he gives a story about Santa used to go around with the elves, and the elves would give a beating to all the kids who were bad. And I wondered, this is, I know that this scene is fun, and it should be. I wondered just for a second with that one piece of dialogue that Chris had about the money in the, the Grinch. Grinch franchise, do, are his dreams of Hollywood still back here very yes somewhere i don't know yeah i love that he puts it out in the universe that movie is money you can make money put jim carrey in the motherfucker yeah yeah yeah. that's good paul good pickup i like that the fucking dr soups ripped it off (laughs) (laughs) they see bobby and silvio yep there it is it's a eureka moment 
gives Tony a little tap with the backhand, and it's just like, oh, well, there it is. And uh, I can't. I'm shy. He just says, no, no, I can't do that. It was his first thing. And he says, no, I can't. I'm shy. And Paulie gets up in his face and says maybe one of the best lines on The Sopranos. The boss of this family told you you're going to be Santa Claus. So shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> Bobby just like hangs his head and yeah, walks yeah. out like defeated <laughs> man. Bobby. Yeah. Genesis on the news. A uh, Russian fellow was beat up by marauding youth gang. She recognizes the guy from the news footage. Not only were Tony and Furio successfully able to completely whoop this guy's ass and send a message, but they intimidated him to the level that he gave the cops a story about his assailants that uh, does not match the the description of Tony and Furio. And Janice has been in his family long enough. She knows what this is, and she has a little bit of a breakdown Tells, talks about the brother concept. Sometimes we don't see our loved ones. Is the last line she gives in tears. She's so over dramatic. She's also she has played such a good high status character in the previous season. She's playing an amazing low status character this season. She does so well. Uh, really a terrific actress. Yeah, the character. Well, and yes, Ada Totoro is great, and the character is also a chameleon. She's. Oh, yeah. She can be the New Jersey yuppie, New Jersey housewife, as we saw with Richie April and go to golf outings. Or she can work at a fucking, like, tire place in Seattle with this 19-year-old kid that we see her with at the beginning of the third season. Yeah. She is a fucking chameleon. Yeah, I just mean to say, at some point, at some point, she was the other villain of season two. Do you know what I mean? And now she's, like, hanging out with the narcoleptic born-again Christian (laughs) and writing Christian rock music and crying all over the place. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And she's cooking that goose, right? Mm. The famously at the end of Christmas, Carol Scrooge is gonna send this big goose, right. and now mm-hmm. in this, Tony helps his sister out. But again, this is as it seems like as good as the terms of Christian generosity mm. in the ter- in the Christmas respect. It are, this is about as good as it's gonna get. Mm. Um, that your brother saved face, your brother did right by you for a situation that was her fault to begin with. By the way, yeah. So it's like, well. Oof. Yeah, it's not the most feel-good Christmassy moment. Yeah. But what is a feel-good Christmassy moment is how beautiful they got the Sopranos' uh, great room here. Beautiful. Yeah, really very evocative of some of the nicer places I've seen around Christmas time. The tree looks great. The lighting here is really beautiful. Carmela's just sitting there drinking wine, enjoying the Christmas. She's listening to this beautiful choral arrangement of God rest ye merry gentlemen. Something my mother also does every year. We all put up the tree together. And some nights I go back to visit my parents and walk in and she's just sitting and looking at the tree. Mm. And, you know, maybe something's on in the background, but, like, I, I have that image. That's a yeah. really, really real image. Mom mm. just sitting enjoying the tree. Yep. I get it. Yep. It's beautiful. It's peaceful. It's quiet. Meadow comes in, drops a line uh, about Jackie visiting a friend in the hospital. Something yeah, to, sure. Something to log yeah. in, into the back yeah. of the brain. Sounds for... legitimate. <laughs> Sounds totally real. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and so, you know, they just have a nice little chat there. Things are ongoing with her and Jackie. Tony meets Syl and Chris at Vesuvio. They're looking to have a night there. Shows them the gift he got Carmela. It's sort of a matching uh, bracelet for the ring and earrings that she now has with the blue sapphires, whatever. I think it's a necklace. Is it a necklace? I think so. Because I think... Um... Oh, Meadow gets the bracelet. That's right. Yeah, Carmela had mentioned in the previous episode, Telltale Mitzadel, that she wanted maybe the necklace that matched the ring she got right, for right. Christmas, and I think this is the follow-up to that. Yeah. Yep. 
So he shows him that, and then he goes over to check his coat, and he compliments Charmaine, and she's looks like, thanks. I roll. Much different vibe. She's not putting on the happy face, uh, the, the, the Tony-Oni uh, gimmick from the last scene. She's, she's bitter about what's happened with her and Artie, and she doesn't have it in her to charm, put on the charm for Tony at this point. And she expresses what she has been telling Artie for years now, that she doesn't like that they're a fucking mob hangout restaurant, and she doesn't want him and his boys in here. Explains that Artie's a friggin' mess, quote-unquote. And Tony just says, fuck this, you know, gets gets his, takes his coat back and says, let's get the fuck out of here. Slams his shot. And uh, they, they leave. Silvio mentions one of the checkout competition. Must be a new strip joint uh, somewhere and that he wants to check out on Route 46. Yeah, they've left Vesuvio, where I think uh, Tony has ordered a wild turkey meat. Yeah. And then they go over, and I notice the three of them are now drinking tequila, which is the last drink that they shared with Pussy on the boat. Ooh. And they're sucking on the limes and everything afterwards. Like, so it's a point to note, like, this is tequila we're drinking. We've changed the drink. We've changed the vibe. We're still subconsciously thinking of Pussy. Very nice. Yeah, that's great. And yet again, Silvio has to nudge Tony, only this time they're not finding their Santa. They're finding their bad child. It's uh, Jackie Jr. getting a lap dance. Being naughty. Face buried in a pair of fake tits. Uh, he's just all in it. Tony goes over yet again with this, hey, how you doing? Like playing it nice like you did at the blackjack table. And then gets him into the bathroom and beats the piss out of him. Yeah. Just really fucks him up. You bottomed out. Yeah. Ooh, great line. Calls him a pussy piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is the other betrayal in this episode. Yeah. So... What's so funny, too, though, when we talked about this in our last episode, about, you know, he's emulating. You know, my father, I remember watching this episode with my father, and he couldn't understand. It's like, what the hell does Tony have to be so mad about? He's there. <laughs> you know? Uh, so it's more, it's it's Tony with this do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do thing, It's which is hard for Jackie, because Jackie had his father, who had a great reputation. He has Tony to look up to now. And he just, he's not a very sharp kid. Let's just be real. Right. Well, unfortunately, he also has Ralph in his life, too. Which is, mm. yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a recipe for catastrophe. Yeah. And uh, he bought, I think Tony he, takes Jackie's piece off of him in his bathroom. Oh, yeah. He finds well, right? the gun. He's like, <sighs> so he confiscates that, says you bottomed out, kicks him in the balls, tells him again, you bottomed out. Very ominous words. Not words I'd want to hear from Tony as he's beating the shit out of me. And he leaves... We cut to the next morning. Tony's getting grilled by Carmela on his whereabouts. She's making the lasagna. Accuses him of a thing with Charmaine. You know, she, I was a little confused by that. Does she think he's currently having a thing with Charmaine? Or is she calling back to what Charmaine said to her about those two being together in high school back in season one? That's what she's talking about. But, well, she's like, well, that happened. But I think she's using that because she has nothing else to go off of right now. She knows something's off. We talked about this in our right, but affair with Charmaine. That's just beyond the pale. I don't think she actually thinks that that's happening. No, I don't think so either. I think she's grasping for stress. She's annoyed that he spent the night out. She doesn't right, have right, anything right. concrete. Yeah. She doesn't know who or what he's up to. So she just like throws something. She throws a piece of ammo that she has. She's never brought up that Charmaine thing with Tony before. She swallowed she, it. Right, yeah. That's been a long time. So she had that to lob, especially now that she's single. And she's probably been to Vesuvio. Noticed the way Charmaine's dressing. Dressing more like a single woman. It's so, you know, she... 
She's uh, throwing that out yeah. there. Charmaine is dressed in blue in both scenes as the color of sapphires. Oh. Um, I didn't know if that was deliberate, but she absolutely did look beautiful, yeah. I thought, in, in both sequences. And she is being less... She's playful in the first one, absolutely less shy in the second sequence about how she does not want these guys there. As always with the Sopranos character, Carmela's half right. She's <laughs> right not to generally trust Tony. Her suspicion about Charmaine could not be more curious since Charmaine literally wants more distance right. uh, from the gangsters. Uh, but yeah, I think you know that's the thing that's kind of been bothering her and I think it's one of the things that refle- that is reflected in that little scene with Meadow when she asks how things are going with Jackie and then she doesn't really have anything to say and she goes back to just looking at the yeah. tree. So she's a little lost in this episode. I think we'll come back to more for her later in the season. But The delusion and the lies are so widespread I even got caught up in it watching the show because I felt half bad for Tony, a sliver of bad, when she says, you know, I don't forget, I don't believe a word you say. And Tony's after insisting he didn't do nothing. I'm like, oh, but he's not banging Charmaine. Oh, but he is having an affair with the woman who is not in this episode right now because she absconded to Morocco for the holidays. Yeah, he said said about last night, I I was the monogamy poster boy. Yeah. But that's because your girlfriend's (laughs) off the continent. Yeah, the woman you're seeing (laughs) is in another country, yeah. Ugh. So funny. So like, I even got caught up, and I'm like, oh, she doesn't believe him, but he's being honest. But wait a minute, he's lying in the bigger sense. <sighs> so much. It's just so thick and so awful. Again, Tony. Every episode now, he has some disparaging comment about Noah. He's not, you know. <laughs> I think he calls him. Uh, he's he's in the scene with Melfi now, and he's expressing regret about Jackie about this thing with Jackie and and, and Meadow. Of course, she'd still be with the, quote, Oreo cookie if it wasn't for me. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so Tony's kind of complaining, but then the scene takes an interesting turn. This scene really sticks out to me, and I'm going to tell you why. It drives me nuts, in a good way. Melfi brings up the pussy thing. So, I've been uh, thinking about your friend. Granted, I get all my information from, you know, and she's talking about how... She's seen movies or knows the implications of what Tony described in the last thing. Yeah. And Tony gets up and storms out. Yeah. Now, this is Tony's show, not Melfi's show, so we're not going to stick with Melfi. We're going to follow Tony. But that scene drives me crazy in a good way because I want to know what the hell she was going to say to him. Like, Mm -hmm. what... She thought about that, processed it all week, and worked on something and worked something up in her head that might actually be helpful for Tony. We'll never know. He'll never know. Yeah. And he gets up and storms out. He storms out. There's there's and there's like the shot of her right after and like the expression is kind of like damn. Yeah. Like I, I can't I can't get him on that. I yeah. can't get him to talk about it. You know. Yep. Yeah. I agree. She's been thinking about how this is going to go all week. How do I approach this? And he won't even open up a little. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes a therapist will steer the conversation often if they think. It's an important issue for someone to discuss. Obviously, she thinks this is important. So yeah, it's mm. but it's but its importance is approximate probably to its difficulty to discuss. So Tony just stands up and walks out. Yeah. 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 We're back at Satrials. There's kids lined up around the block. It's the day of the neighborhood Christmas party. Bobby's suiting up and Tony's watching it. They're having trouble finding the beard, whatever. And and Tony just has a moment of oh fuck. Was he wired up in the Santa suit? Yep. A terrible thought. And uh, it cuts back to our, our next flashback. 
this is a fun flashback. Uh, you know, it's like it. You know, Chris. They they did a decent job of. You know, they didn't do like a contemporary Marvel CGI de aging of Chris. They just stuck a hat on him in a tracksuit, kept him in the background. But good enough. They did a good job of getting the vibe that he. You know, he's running little things back and forth across the room, little little shit errands. Comes in with Jackie Jr., or at least, uh, you know, Jackie does, and he's talking about how smart he is. He knows the capital of Canada. Guy who's ready to graduate high school knows the capital of Canada. What a genius. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can kind of see, and I hinted at this a little bit last episode, but I didn't want to get into it for the spoilers, but Jackie talking about how smart his son is, and we know that that is not the case, put the pressure on Jackie to go to med school or whatever it is that he right. ended up doing. And those I, were the I, qualities his father appreciated about him, so yeah. he was trying to live up to those. I felt bad for him. Yeah. I, I gotta say, seeing high school age Jackie and his father just so proud of how smart he was. Yeah. Kid doesn't got it up there, man. But that doesn't mean he couldn't have been happy or successful doing something, but he just does not have a male role model in his life that can steer him in the right way, and it's unfortunate. But I sure. felt for him. And then, of course, the crux of the scene is Pussy comes in. He's, uh... What a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> in this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him. He comes in. He sits down. He starts talking a, a little bit about business. And I think that, you know, he mentions it in a way. Again, I love that the show doesn't definitively answer whether he was wired in this scene. But it is uh, odd. It is, it is odd that he... It's pretty. He's wired. Yeah. He comes in. He starts asking about Tony... He gets interrupted once, kind of gives a look, but doesn't say anything by Paulie. And then I think Chris interrupts him. He's like, Jesus fucking Christ, stop interrupting me! Throws the fucking ashtray through the jukebox. Oh, there's a whole thing. <laughs> Stops yeah. the music, yeah. Uh, fuck you, Paulie and him. Paulie without it, the wings in his hair, by the way. Just still fully black hair. Uh, they almost get into it physically. So, yeah. At the time, uh, to Jordan's point, it seems like they didn't... Tony's realizing it now motherfucker he's yeah. wearing a wire that's why he's there that's why he's trying to elicit that's why he had the outsized reaction to somebody just saying xyz dick barone called and why he showed up in the suit too, why he showed up in the suit dressed. at the time what do they think like oh to pussy's being a little bit of a diva about the suit maybe he had too many bukas before he came down mm. they and they loved pussy as jordan said and and these were the good times actually so of course they didn't suspect anything Mm. Um, it transitioned quickly to Pussy being a dynamite Santa, right? I have two lines in my notes that, now that you said that, one line is, Pussy is an amazing Santa. You see him, you know, operating in the, you know, being nice to the kids, you want a new dolly in a kitchen, ho, 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 he's doing everything right. And then my next line is, Bobby is a terrible Santa. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go single file over here, can we? (laughs) Yeah, Though, there's a more serious implication there. Why is Pussy such a good Santa? He's good at performing. He's Mm. good at lying, pretending, wearing a disguise. Mm. Bacala, an honest man, a shy man, can't pull it off. Ooh, I like that. That's really Yeah, Bobby can't pull... But Bobby does as told. Bobby is a loyal soldier. He does it even though he's not good for it. Right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. But yeah, to, to yeah. be Santa, you you have to pull off a lie. It's a yeah. charming lie. It's a beautiful lie. It's a lie. Did yeah. you guys see the bit? It's a very short bit, but it's sweet, and I guess supports Jordan's point about the natural performer. Uh, Pussy picks up when his kid fucks up one of the cues. His kid calls him dad. He says, oh, uh, my, my elf got some snow on the brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great line. Like, yeah. he just came up with that? I love yeah, it. It's fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, he... Um, 
gets into this hilarious argument with this kid. The kid just yells, fuck you, Santa. <laughs> and the room erupts into oh. the biggest O, oh, I think, on the show. Oh! <laughs> Silvio gets down. I love the way Silvio's like, yeah, you don't talk that way to Santa. Get uh, back there. So funny. Come say to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Bobby just like begrudgingly grabbing a gift and shoving it at him. Right. I like that he didn't like that the kid was gaming the system. He didn't yeah. want to give him a second gift. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Who cares? You were here a few minutes ago. Well, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but I, 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 you know, I think it's hilarious either way. So fucking funny. God, that's good. He, Tony's like, you know, could you, would it kill you to, you know, show a little cheer? But Jesus, Bobby, you have kids. And he's like, I didn't want to do this. Shyness is a curse. The scene cuts and we get, again, our three men who were involved in the death of Big Pussy chatting in the front cafe of Satrials and you know I don't miss Pussy's fake fucking cheer they so, do a little yeah oh of course they do they they, yeah. they do very yeah. much the the lie that they have to tell themselves is so much easier yeah. right fuck that guy fuck that rat yeah. I don't miss his good cheer that's that's all a lie yeah you know they they still feel so hurt so betrayed and the truth is what this whole episode is just they they miss him mm. they miss yeah. those times yeah yeah, there's no... The, the visitations won't change it. They just have to live with it. Yep. That's the reality of it. And I love Paulie's line when they call, when Tony calls him out, like, why'd you go see that psychic last year since you don't dwell on this shit? And he said, that was different. That was a paranormal event. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but yeah, then they dropped the line, well, that's the difference between, you know, him and the rest, him you loved. Yep. And they, they did love him. They had to, to not see through the mask, the disguise, the fake beard, to see what was going on underneath. He's a rat bastard, but he's a great Santa, which is, in fact, the truth. But as Jordan said, that has much darker implications. Yeah. And now it's Christmas morning. Jackie comes by. He's uh, doing what he, again, emulating Tony, buying his way back into good graces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being... Comes with jewelry. uh, He's always intrusive in a way that maybe some people could think it was charming, but he always shows up at, like, a bad time. Like, he's always like, hey, I'm here at Thanksgiving dinner. Hey, I'm here at Carmela's birthday. Hey, I'm here at Christmas morning. Like, this guy's trying so hard to be a part of this family that now it's become cloying to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He never, like, shows up at the right times in the right ways. He doesn't, like, show up with Meadow to Carmela's birthday. He shows up late. Sure. During, I, during, well, interrupts the song. Yeah. Inter- interrupts Happy Birthday. Comes in, like, like if he had gotten there before, it might have been fine. But, like, coming in while gift ha- opening is happening is a little bit of an awkward exactly. time to come in. Exactly, yeah. Because you're not going to get everybody's full attention. That's right. It's a taboo. Uh, Carmela does not really want him anyway because she's worried about him and Meadow together. Though, I guess, you know, she might be coming over to the other side. We're kind of, you know, it's in flux. But, um... Yeah, you don't intrude in another family during Christmas morning. They're opening their gifts. Like, you know, wait till later, man. Yeah. He gets Meadow this uh, necklace and... Um, but it's very performative. He has yeah. to make sure Tony sees this. Oh, he's looking That's, over to see... Not, yeah. He's not looking at Meadow's reaction, the right. person he just got the gift for. Yeah. He's looking over at Tony like, see, I know sure. how to do this. and the inscription is very intentional. It might as well be inscribed to Tony. It, it could very well be something Tony would have inscribed to Carmela to right. escape, get out of the doghouse. Yes. He, he's taking a page right out of Tony's book, and that has to drive Tony nuts on some level. Beyond just, I'm failing this kid. And then they go into the, Tony goes into the kitchen. He's had enough of this display. Jackie follows him in there. 
and opens with the worst possible sentence he could have opened with at this given moment. I flunked out of Rutgers. <laughs> oh, this kid, he is just not... What is going on here? He just can't get it together. And you see the frustration and exasperation and anger on Tony's face at this point. Sure, and he's very honest. Yeah, I don't know what to do with you yet. Yeah, you bullshit me and you betray my daughter. And yeah, that's a, a another ominous line. This is not something I'd want to hear from Tony Soprano. Uh, I haven't decided what to do with you. He's given this, I'm going to do better now. I'm going to make men's suits. I don't think Tony's buying a word of it at this point. No, why should he? Yeah. We get back into the room. Tony, you know, drops this line on him. Go back inside. I haven't decided what to do with you yet. They go back in. AJ's zipping along on his new scooter. Funny that their house is big enough that he can ride it inside the house. Yeah. Totally fine. I did notice that. Uh, Carm got her, her jewelry that she wanted, the gift that she wanted. Meadow drops a gift on Tony's lap. And a perfect way to end this episode, I think. Yeah, this was unreal. So good. It's like... In case this was just some sad feelings about a friend coming up around the holidays, this ghost ain't going anywhere. It's going right in Tony's office. The fish, the big mouth Billy Bass. We know what this means from the previous episode. Tony broke it over Georgie's head when it was brought in. But he can't do that to Meadow, can he? So he... And the gift itself, the thought of the gift, is a legitimate uh, olive branch. Yeah. She and... A meadow and Tony haven't been getting along. Right. And he says, I didn't think you were going to get me anything. She says, it's Christmas. Yeah. So there's real sentiment here. Yeah. So it's meaningful on that level, but he is just staring at it in horror while those around him are laughing. And you got to imagine, you know, Tony's right back in the funhouse in this moment. And he's never getting out. That twisted, distorted reflection of pussy is going to be staring back at him and the rest of the guys for the rest of time. Yeah, I just wrote down Gandolfini is so effing good. In this scene, and it's not even what his dialogue is. It's just that look on his face yep. when the fish pops up and starts singing to him. Yep. And gospel music takes us out into the uh, shot, last shot of the ocean yet again. It's an, uh, This is a recurring motif. That shot of the ocean took us out of season two. That's how we ended with Big Pussy's death. This is not going away. This is going to be a consistent specter in the life of these men. Final thoughts on To Save Us All From Satan's Power. Another terrific episode. It's dreamy. It's frightening. It's weird. It's very funny. And I chose for the quote something that Pussy says early on in one of the flashbacks, looking out at the water. I always wanted a house by the ocean, maybe in another life. As Jordan said, it's too late. And in the the baseline for this story, A Christmas Carol, Scrooge at times can see these other lives or other possibilities of where lives go. And here, a lot of the possibilities over time have decayed Mm. and what's left sadly i think the only life that pussy has left is in this other form where he's haunting tony and that's what the that's what the gut punches at the end of the episode yeah um as funny as that last scene can be in some ways it's very dark oh yeah so uh, i was very uh affected by it it's a gut again episode got it has some very funny moments but it was uh a pretty brutal and unforgiving episode as well. For sure. Uh, yeah, in the Dickens story, Scrooge is visited by three ghosts in the hopes that uh, by revealing to him more about his past, present, and future, they will transform this man into someone that can be a better person, a person who is uh, of use to society in some way, someone who can authentically repent their sins. 
But The Sopranos doesn't exist in the world of fairy tale. Tony has to deal with the very real consequences of his actions. He murdered his friend uh, who betrayed him. And there's no getting away from that. It's never going to get better. So yeah, Pussy is here as this fish, as this uh, symbol of kind of what happened that Tony just has to kind of like learn to deal with. But unlike Scrooge, Tony is never going to wake up from this night. Tony is never going to wake up with some kind of like greater understanding of what happened. He just kind of has to learn to live with it. He's not going to be able to like move on from this in some way that's going to be better or more productive. He's going to remain haunted by the ghost of Christmas past, by Pussy forever. In the sense of returning to Asbury Park and that glimmer of the ocean, we never get to leave the funhouse. Amen to that, guys. Another fine hour for The Sopranos, and we're cooking. We're getting into serious shit next few episodes. This is the last moment of silence before the light is lit on the fuse that will be the culmination of this season. I can't wait to get into it. The next one's a real banger and a perpetual fan favorite. One of the most talked about Sopranos episodes in history. Can't wait to get into it with you guys, but I'm Chris Tomato. I'm Paul Mantini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And we'll see you next time in South Jersey for the Pine Barrens. Got myself a girl.